Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. Anytime there's a, like a, a merger like this, there's going to be change. A bunch of stuff is going to change. We're going to have to change to fit with January a little better. They're going to have to change a bit to like fit us in. Like all this stuff is going to, there's, there's cha- change coming. You know, it's coming. Yeah. But like if we hadn't been bought, there would have been a lot of, ch- it's just like the, the, yeah. the <laughs> right. there was other change coming too. I was going to say on your change point, we, yeah. uh, we had our sales awards last, last week. And I talked about, Here's our three sort of goals for the year. And one of them is embrace change. And then I said, this will, this will probably be the last time I put embrace change as one of our goals because it is status quo moving right. forward. There's just, right. there's, the world is moving too fast. Genumark is one of the largest companies selling promotional merchandise in North America. The promotional products professionals of Canada named Genumark yet again, the top large distributor and national distributor of the year. And they consistently rank in ASI's top 40 distributors by revenue in North America. In October of 2019, Genumark acquired Rightsleeve right before the pandemic hit. Rightsleeve 2 is a multiple award-winning agency. So what happens when the largest distributor in Canada and one of the most progressive brands in the business face integrating their companies, their brands, and their clients? And what happens when this integration happens in the midst of a pandemic? Today, You'll hear the story of how Mitch Fried, Genumark's Vice President of Strategic Initiatives, and Stephen Musgrave, Right Sleeve's Vice President and General Manager, guided the merger and their teams over the past several months. Hi, friends. I'm Bobby Lehu, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSQ. Yesterday, we hosted the first of our community meetups. We gathered to talk about developing your sales playbook. With meetups, we're taking live interviews featuring insightful talks by the most streetwise entrepreneurs and mashing those up with a community hang and a micro learning lab. It's a fast hour with friends and you'll walk away with real-time tactics from pros. You won't want to miss the next one where we'll be talking with Kelly Byrne, the Director of Marketing at INM Marketing Group. Join us April 21st, 4 to 5 ET. You can register at commonsq.com slash community meetups. This episode is brought to you by CommonSQ the work-from-anywhere platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more or begin your free trial now, visit commonskew.com. Now, here's my conversation with Stephen and Mitch, where you're hearing Mitch respond to my question about why this merger made sense for both Genumark and Riceley. There were three main things that why, why this was super attractive for us. The first was it was a totally additive customer segment. Right sleeve is great in camps and schools. We dabbled, but never been really strong in those uh, segments. I would say, Toronto tech scene again, dabbled, but not really strong. I wouldn't say the Genumark brand carried from tech company to, to tech company uh, in this hub that we have. We have a pretty strong tech hub actually in Canada, and uh, I would say uh, the RS brand did and does pretty well there. So additive customer segments. The second was, um, you know, we've been looking and talking about sort of Genumark 2.0, if you will, for a long time. Bobby, I remember you and I talked about it a couple of years ago uh, when we talked on this podcast. Yeah. And with Genumark 
securely becoming a second generation family business where we have lots of runway ahead of us. The idea of adding great young talent is always top of mind for us. Mm -hmm. And Right Sleeve is just filled with that. So from the people side of things, it's sort of the biggest win we could have asked for. And then the third reason was just, I'm going to go into details, but I would say like the integration when we thought about it was doable. Like integration is never easy, but when we like looked at what Right Sleeve had going for, we're like, okay, this could work. And those were really strong management in place, obviously led by Steven. You know, Steven was going to come along for the ride. We felt that if we had to on a worst case scenario and just keep it a standalone entity for a really long time, it would continue to be successful. So it would run well. So that sort of makes it quote unquote easy. And it's not, again, nothing's easy, but easier. Yeah. And then the second is uh, like, how often is it that you're about to integrate two companies where technologies are similar or the same. So our ERP systems are very different. Like Right Sleeve is, is on QuickBooks from an accounting and sort of ERP standpoint, which is very similar to, I would say, probably most common SKU customers. Mm-hmm. Whereas Genumark has uh, a proprietary custom ERP solution. So that's a challenge and that still remains a challenge and we're working on that. But you know, the fact that we were both on common SKU was and is just so unique. Like that's such an interesting opportunity to be able to buy a company that is already masters in the technology that you're trying to get better at and knowing even better. So, so those are sort of the, the three things that, that we really thought about and why we thought it made a lot of sense at the outset. Steven, um, same kind of question to you. Why did this purchase make sense for Right Sleeve? We know why it made sense for Mark and Catherine, uh, not just selling the business, but focusing. So they, they had two businesses to run, so focusing on Commons Q. But, but how did this make sense as you were looking at Jinmu, Mark? You're like, here's what we yeah. can gain through this partnership. Yeah, like I knew I was going to be stuck around after, after they left, and, but was like instantly excited about this. I think a big part of it is, the opportunity to take kind of the the approach we take at Right Sleeve and the things that we think are important about how we do what we do, but put a lot more resources behind them. The biggest one, the, the second the second I heard about the acquisition, I was like, oh my God, we're gonna have a warehouse now. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. have like in-house fulfillment <laughs> nice. and warehousing. Cause we've done that sort of business for clients over the years, but we were using all like 3PL companies and they're good. They've been great partners to us, but, but the kind of like hands-on precious snowflake approach we like to take with every project we do is a (laughs) little easier to execute when you have like true control over over the process so like resources like that kind of a more robust approach to like how supply chain is managed and vendor relationships things like that we're all super exciting and then i think bigger picture we've grown a lot at right sleeve over the years and we were kind of reaching that spot where i'm like I don't know how to dis- describe it, but there needed to be like some new energy or ideas or something to like have us keep growing and kind of push through that that next mm-hmm. barrier. So that idea of having access to this years and years of experience at Genumark while also having met Mitch a couple times before and knowing like his vision for the future of the company. It was just very like, I think this is like a kick in the butt we need like to... yeah keep things going into the future. So that's cool. What were their fringe benefits for both of you that you didn't see? Yeah, I would say that that actually like the fringe benefits, just, I would say, Bobby, like they came on faster because of COVID. I said before, like we, we meant for this to be like a very standalone entity 
for a while as we like to say like let's let right sleeve marinate let's let it chill let's let like let's watch it let's talk to steven a bunch let's learn what they're doing let's just see what's going on here i mean that didn't happen because of the pandemic like yeah uh, and steven i don't even remember what the when the moment happened but I don't think it was a plan where we said, you know what, Steven's going to be part of like the corporate executive team. I don't think that was the plan when we bought Right Sleeve, but because COVID happened, the exec team started talking and meeting way more regularly than we ever did, at least formally, you know, we have at least a weekly meeting. I mean, it sounds obvious, but you know, when you're in one office space, you're kind of talking all the time and we didn't set yeah. aside the meetings the same way. And because of that, we're like, well, Steven better be in on these meetings all the time. And then yeah, Steven basically cool. joined that team that I don't think was the plan on day one at all. Uh, I don't think Steven was expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. So, uh, you know, having him in there was definitely a fringe benefit that, you know, was not expected. And then also with that sentiment, you know, if, if you think of that being Steven's sort of regular contribution to Genumark, sort of corporate level of thinking about things, we also spread person by the name of Elizabeth Wimbush, who was the director of supply chain at Right Sleeve, who's, you know, just a superstar if anybody knows her. Yeah, she is. Uh, yeah, she's awesome. And pretty quickly, we realized like she was just doing all these great things that could so easily be transferred to the whole corporation, the whole organization. Why is she just doing it for this piece that kind of accounts for, you know, 15 to 20 percent of the business, depending on the sales that year. She should be doing it for the whole company. And so having her sort of you know, be in between both was not an expectation, but it happened pretty fast. And I think it happened faster because of COVID. So definitely a fringe benefit that's been, that again, was not planned. So just, you know, personnel crossing over sort of faster than we thought has been a huge fringe fringe benefit, I would say. Steven, anything to add to that? I mean, I think um, my personal fringe benefit is getting this more access to like the, the leadership team at January. And I think that's helped Right Sleeve kind of get through the pandemic. <laughs> Um, yeah. like just leaning on those kinds of years of experience. I think um, one of the things I was surprised about is like, I immediately thought what benefits can we get from January? Like I was like, they have a warehouse. It's literally the first thing I thought when I heard that the acquisition was happening. But I think like the thing that's been cool, it makes me, it makes me very happy about if we were going to get bought by a company that they're the company that bought us is is the element of like, what can we add to what January's doing? And I think Liz is like a great example yeah. of that. I think yeah. about all these like things that we have been trying to accomplish for years at Right Sleeve that are important to us around things like sustainability or even like looking at diversity and inclusion, brand building, you know, how we think about vendor relationships and partnerships, all this kind of stuff that like, you know, has been percolating at Right Sleeve for years and getting to kind of spread that into January a little bit more and, and say like, mm -hmm. Hey, like, this is how we think of things. What do you think of that? And then be very open-minded to trying new stuff and doing things like moving Liz into this bigger role. Just like, I think uh, the open-mindedness and, and willingness to like share, like lean on our experience too, has been really like fulfilling over the last year and a half. You kind of touched on this, Mitch, but what market opportunities you talk about tech, you talk about camps. And for those that aren't up in Toronto, um, obviously, most people probably know Toronto is such a tech hub. What they didn't know, what I never knew until I really was connected through CommonSkew was how much camp business is up in that part of the country. So those are oh, big yeah. market opportunities. And Stephen, were there market opportunities that expanded for you because of this merger? I mean, you mentioned the shot, the, the, the ability to do fulfillment. 
that just give you more strength with inside your existing customers if you expand opportunities as well? I'd say we, we lean more into like strength with existing customer base. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's, that's been the, the biggest benefit is, is, is especially taking lots of the like super custom work we were doing before and turning it into like, like flipping it over to kind of more program stuff that's easier for, for clients to access like inventory yeah. programs, things like that. Um, yeah. But with like that existing, like we still focus really heavily on technology companies. Liz is such a rock star. She's a great example of how you blended teams and pulled strengths from certain personalities. How did you integrate the teams? Was this, this obviously was a process. In many ways, it seems as though the business operates as a separate entity, but there's obviously yeah. team integration going on. How'd that process happen? So I would say like the only place where there's like true team integration, like where you have like people that were originally hired by Genumark, people that were originally hired by Rightsleeve and that are just like working together regularly is the marketing teams. Our marketing teams, like you've got like two and three people and they're kind of come together now as like this one joint group. And that's been really interesting to watch. I think Steven and I underestimated the complexities of that because the goal with that was essentially, hey, there's a bunch of you in marketing. How cool would it be to get double the output with half the work since, since there's so many of you? That was the goal. And then there's this sort of complicated thing in the middle, which is there's actually two different brands that are being worked on though. And I think that that's created a challenge for this team because with that double the output, half the work, what does that mean? Well, it kind of means if we're writing a blog post, you could probably span it across both banners, both brands. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily work all the time. And I think they've done a really good job at identifying the complexities of it. They've done a great job at getting better at it and getting into this groove. But, you know, we probably still haven't quite figured that that out yet. But that's, that's just a good example of like teams truly being integrated somewhat day to day, at least week to week, I would say. Just watching from the sidelines, it seems to me a very clear example of an organization, both organizations were very clear up front about what strengths each company was bringing to each other. And so therefore that merger made it hard. I mean, I think a lot of folks might be looking for, well, there had to be tough times and tension, but Stephen, as you and I were talking before we even hit record, the fear is probably larger than the reality and the tensions surely exist just like in any relationship, but not near sure. what you, what you think. Um, and I think that's kudos to all of the vetting that you both did prior. Yeah. I mean, so just to talk about that, another way that this was super unique is like, we knew, and now I'm talking sort of prior to Steven's involvement, but we knew each other's companies very well. I mean, yeah. Genuark was and is a very large client of common SKUs. I would say Mark and Catherine, certainly as I joined the industry, I was immediately drawn to them on a personal and professional level and just really saw them as mentors and, and thought I could learn a lot from them. And there was a friendship there. And then this all kind of came to be, and it was kind of like doing a, a deal with your friends, which is really interesting. I mean, that came with some challenges, but yeah. we're still, we're still friends. Like we just, we executed something really important and there probably could have been a lot that went wrong, but by and large, I mean, it really didn't. So I think, I think that when you 
asked the question about like what were the key surprises and all these like we we just knew a lot even before it even turned yeah, into a deal makes sense uh, which which makes it I think so so unique and I think it's also you know this isn't genuine strategy you know just because we just did a deal like this we're not gonna I don't foresee our growth strategy being a an acquisition growth strategy yeah this was just a really unique situation where it just made sense and we we couldn't turn it away yeah what what i love about that is the value that you just gave to to entrepreneurs and folks that want to look at acquisition or thinking about um selling i I think that looking for the right opportunity that's a that's a lot of the disaster stories come from premature decisions or desperate decisions around integration selling and things like that let's talk about client integration what did you guys do practically to ensure a smooth client integration both internally and externally but mostly with your customers was there Uh, any communication hurdle I think Stephen can talk to this better than I can, but I'll just start off by saying I kind of remember when the deal closed, there was a press release that was done that was mostly within the industry. You know, then there was an article that press release was posted on the right sleeve and Jenny Mark sites. And then I believe Mark and Catherine penned a similar release to existing mm-hmm. customers. And personally, I hadn't thought about the communication on the acquisition basically since then. Uh, Stephen yeah, is sure. in a different different position than me but uh, so Steve why don't you sort of talk through that a little bit I guess there wasn't a ton to transition because we like I don't know if we wanted clients to know like yeah you're still working with like the same team we still do things the same way like we just it's the same team we still do things yeah the, yeah yeah, the, yeah the same way there hasn't like we we sent out a press release I think on our invoices now it says it does have Jane Mark mentioned at the bottom but Largely, like it's still like if you're our client and you missed that press release, you probably don't know what happened. And it's not, um, it's not like we're trying to not talk about it, but we're just also not at a point where we think there's a ton of value right. in talking about it a lot. Yeah, for sure. This this goes to a broader sort of question that I can say we we for sure haven't fully figured out, which is sort of like where does the right sleeve band, like, where does it fit within January? Like, what is it? So it's actually, we're all one company now. We think the right sleeve brand is really important. You can see that because it's everywhere still, and we haven't gotten rid of it. We haven't diminished it. We also, I should add, you know, which is very common, at least in our industry, it's not right sleeve powered by January. Like, right. we saw no, we saw <laughs> no advantage. That. We, right. But we saw no advantage to that play, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Obviously, during the deal, we talked about it, but it just sort of never happened. And we never really, you know, it just it just sort of never made sense. Um, yeah. We, internally, we used to call them like different divisions. But I think I think the best way to articulate it now is like right sleeve is a is a is a genuine banner. And I even saw like with talking about this podcast, even was, was almost comparing it to like a Nike versus like a Converse, which I think is a, a yeah. nice comparable, like Converse. If you yeah. don't know, very interesting. We yeah. don't know that Converse is owned by Nike, uh, but they are. And I can assure you that Nike's management team is certainly cares a lot about how Converse is doing. Uh, they probably have a lot of sway and passion behind it and, you know, make decisions. And I'm sure lots of people at the Converse team, are involved in, you know, Nike's position in the market. And I'm sure lots of people maybe have jumped between brands in terms of who they're employed by and what brand do they think about day to day. So I actually think it's a really nice example of probably where we're at. And listen, it might be where we're going to be for a long time. I'm, I'm, we definitely haven't figured that piece out, but yeah. I think we're comfortable thinking of it in that 
you know, real world example. That's a brilliant analogy because that, that was all at, Steve. That was all Steven. I think the Nike Converse comparison is, is a really good one to where we're at right now. Well, it's brilliant, Stephen, because it also touches on the fact that these brands have distinct audiences themselves. They might blend somewhat, yeah. but for the most part, Converse has got this, this unique vibe and Nike has this unique vibe. Both of them rest on the strength of their brands. There may be something that you think you have to reconcile when you don't at all. It's there's like they have different vibes. They can address different people, but like I've got Chuck Taylors and Air Maxes in the hallway right behind me. You know what I mean? Like they can still like right. exist alongside each other and, right. and, and have similar like connections yeah. to people. But yeah. yeah. And that, that answers all my questions about brand integration, because Mitch, you said something to me earlier when we were talking about recording this. And that is that, you know, as far as the brand story goes, you've, you've had different names before you've acquired different companies. Oh, yeah. The clients want to know, they're working with their teams that have taken good care of them. And they'll know whatever that transition is, if they've got good people that they're working with through projects, they're going to be okay. Yeah, very well said. Last question. You're both leaders of your teams. How would you encourage other leaders to work together through a merger and acquisition? I'm asking you to sort of go back and think back through those steps a little bit, but also kind of from where you're at today. What would you do different? Would you do anything different? Or what did you learn as you went through this process that you would encourage others to do? Uh, Steven, you want to go first? You can tell from, from talking about this. I feel this is going pretty well. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I'm happy about this, this merger. And I think that the big key has been working together on things. Like when we're approaching problems, it feels, it feels very collaborative. A lot a lot more open and collaborative than I would have thought if I'd found out Jenny Mark was buying us like six or seven years ago. I had a very different opinion of the, they were like the big scary Canadian distributor. Right, right. But I felt less scared by them after meeting Mitch at a couple of ComSQ events. I was like, oh, they seem like they're doing like cooler stuff. And then since, since acquisition, it's really been just working together and clear communication, kind of like transparency, put your cards on the table. Yeah. Make sure everybody's taking care of everybody, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, well, I'm going to throw a wild reflection out here because again, I'm on the sidelines watching this unfold, but in a funny way, it's almost as if COVID may have even helped with the merger in the sense of getting your teams together because you could have operated even more so as, as separate entities, even though you're in the same city. When you're in a city like Toronto, you could might as well be in two different worlds and perhaps the virtual world suddenly thrust everybody together in a unique way. That's a tangent. So I'm not sure if that's the case, but it's kind of interesting. It's, it's 100% the case. I think quickly there's some element of everybody being forced to work remotely that helped push out that like othering of the two companies. Yeah. Like even I can remember in the first couple months, I'd be in the right sleeve office. And if I said January, I'd point like north <laughs> right. and east <laughs> to where they are. <laughs> I don't do that when I say January anymore because I'd have to be like, everywhere um so so it does like really like that physical thing like it like it it broke down that that barrier a little bit but it's also like anytime there's uh like a a merger like this there's gonna be change a bunch of stuff is gonna change we're gonna have to change to fit with january a little better they're gonna have to change a bit to like fit us in like all this stuff is gonna there's there's change coming you know it's coming but like if we hadn't been bought, there would have been a lot of, ch- it's just like the, the, yeah. the, <laughs> right. there was other change coming too. And it, it was, uh, it was kind of a thing where it's like, well, like we can't say I want to do this the way I've always done it. 
like we would have to do it a different way anyway yeah how do we do this a different way together like it, it, it did like if i if i had my choice between like a little bit more friction in the merger and not having the pandemic, I would pick the friction, but like I didn't have a right. choice and I worked out. Right. We made the best of it. Right. But this comment about change is typical Stephen Zen though. This is perfect because that's a great leadership tip. You know, the, the fact you're going to go through change regardless of the way, whether we have a merger or acquisition because the client's changing all the time. The client's changing faster than ever before. Mitch, I'll let you answer that I mean, question on leadership. Well, yeah. oh, go ahead, Steve. Well, yeah. Go ahead. Just on, I was going to say on your change point, we, yeah. uh, we had our sales awards last, last week. And I talked about, here's our three sort of goals for the year. And one of them is embrace change. And then I said, this will, this will probably be the last time I put embrace change as one of our goals because it is status quo moving right. forward. There's just, right. there's, the world is moving too fast. Yeah. Uh, we, are, we invest too much every year in technology and people changes in new roles. So, you know, if you're not sort of embracing change day to day, then it's, this is going to be a tough place for you, for you to be. I didn't say that, yeah. but you, you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it really, yeah. it, it has become status quo. So yeah, it's, a, it's an important paradigm shift, I think for everybody. Mitch, on that last question I asked, as far as leadership goes, and you, you know, you both had your separate entities, separate teams that you were integrating. How would you encourage other leaders to work through an acquisition? If it's not through people, then I don't know how it's going to work. And what I mean by that is, again, I, I said at the beginning of this conversation, comfort with the with the acquisition was just knowing there was a management in place that was coming along for the ride that we could rely on. You know, I, I knew Stephen. I didn't know Stephen well. He has obviously a great reputation. And we knew that, you know, Mark and Catherine were very busy people and, and they they left a lot to him even when they were around. And so we felt very confident about even if we weren't jumping in right away, like I said, like it would, it would be in good hands. And, you know, if you don't embrace the new leaders right away and bring them onto your team, then you'll probably have more resistance than what's needed. You know, if, if there's something going on that, doesn't feel right to Steven or I, or within our respective teams, Steven and I know about it from one another, probably that day, you know, we, we talk almost every day. And I think that's uh, without that connection or without that wanting to work with those, you know, new people that came in as part of the merger, it it might not work. And so I think just embracing that we're just going to have, you know, some new team members that we're going to really get to know and work with day to day and probably learn a ton from without embracing that going into the closing, I think it would have been, it just wouldn't have been as as good of an experience. And I don't think we would have made it this far, this fast. Well, kudos to you two for both actually working hard on this relationship, not saying that you had to work hard on it, but what my lesson as I talk to you both and take away from it is that you need to have two point people that really do want to work together, comprehend each other, understand and understand the tensions and frictions and all of that. But the point people in these kinds of acquisitions and mergers are vital. And so kudos to you both for this whole experience. And thanks for showing up on the SKUcast to educate us a little bit pleasure always anytime thanks so much for tuning into this episode of skewcast be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to skewcast on itunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com until next time friends thanks so much for listening Thank you.